Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hello, hello. This is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode 23 of season two. Today, we are speaking with Randall Green. Randall is a content creator and the host of the fantastic and highly rated Any Given Runway podcast, which has released over 500 episodes. Wow. He's also written two books, Smart and Solo, The Blueprint for Efficient and Enjoyable Solo Travel, and Curiosity, Learning from the Scholars Around Us, which features 200 interviews from the every, Any Given Runway show. Randall Green, welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Certainly a thrill to be here, and I'm just excited that I'm episode number 23. Uh, Michael Jordan, gotta, gotta love that, oh, so I man. hope that was intentional. <laughs> it was not intentional, and I wouldn't consider it a good <laughs> thing. Being here in the Salt Lake Valley, we still have very vivid and acute memories of that final shot that I just, even watching The Last Dance was wonderful, but that, that scene, I just, I can't watch it, I'll yell at the TV, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, I always associate every type of number with just going up the sports. I love even like picking an airplane ticket when you're picking the row and everything. I'm like, okay, if this is not available, I'm like, all right, well, let me go 23 or it, everything I is always great to sports and that's Wow. Nice. That's great. <laughs> the main purpose of having you on this show is to see if you actually exist. To me, you're like this, you're like this phantom <laughs> sage. I don't know if you're like living in, you know, Tibet on a, on a hill. You're like, you're traveling around the world. You wrote some awesome books. You're doing this podcast, which has incredible content, sharing stories. I just wanted to get you on to see like, wow. Yeah. You're a real person. I think. Wow. Uh, That's probably the best compliment I've ever received. And if I could pick any career in the world, it would be to be a sage somewhere at some lost mountain where I can just talk to people one-on-one and, and give some just talk wisdom and everything. So that maybe uh, if I'm not there yet, hopefully that is where I'm on my, I'm en route to on the path to enlightenment, hopefully. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. I love how I've heard you talk in the past about, you know, meditation and mindfulness and, you know, listening to people and telling stories. And I just, what a perfect fit and what a great guest to have on our show to be able to talk about your experience. Can you tell us before we get to the podcasting side of things, a little bit about yourself, where you came from and what kind of drove that curiosity of yours? I, when, when I look back in hindsight, as far as what drove the curiosity, I grew up in a very, very, very small town, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, 200 people, you know, closest grocery store an hour away, dirt roads, all that uh, west side of, of Phoenix. At the time, it was kind of middle of nowhere. Now it's more of a suburb. But from there, I, I, I've always had it. I don't think I've ever been able to narrow my interest down to one thing. I changed my major a bunch of times in college. I have uh, four different degrees and they're all not even related to each other. Kinesiology, psychology, sociology and then counseling. I was a high school teacher wow. for a minute. 
a college professor for a little bit. I've coached high school football. I, I try to do a little bit of everything. And I think in a lot of ways, I just, I'm just relentlessly curious. And I, and I think I owe a lot of that to just growing up. And once I started to get in the big city, when I went to college in a major city, it was just like, wow, this is cool. And then everything I saw, I'm like, well, I want to learn that. And I want to learn that. And I want to learn that. And it's just, it hasn't stopped. And it, I don't think it ever will. And I also hope that it never does because I'm always interested in new things. And and then once I started traveling, that even augmented that, amplified that to another level. Now it's just kind of an insatiable quest to learn as much as I can. And the beauty of it as well is that the more I've learned, the less I realize I know. And yeah. it's uh, just. I love that. Uh, the further you get from shore, the deeper the water gets. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I've heard kind of this go two ways where somebody, you know, grows up in the small town, they want to break out of the small town, you know, everybody you've dated everybody and lost your turn. Now, now you want to go, you know, to the bigger cities and experience that. And I've, I've, I've heard it go both ways where people experience that and they realize how wonderful it was in the smaller town with that experience. And I've also heard it where like people never really go back. They don't go back to the small town. They want to go and explore and, and experience all of life. And so what was that like for you? I guess I'm in the I'm, I'm in the purgatory between it because in, in some ways I am back. I stay uh, with the family on where I grew up. It's changed a lot, but at the same time, this is not uh, this is not permanent for me. And definitely, I, I still have that zest for the big cities, and I daydream about Paris and London every day. So, although I, in some ways I'm back, I, I it's it's more out of convenience than it is of desire. Yeah, interesting. And you wrote a book about traveling solo. Why did you decide to cover that topic? And what are some of the benefits of going out and experiencing those things on your own versus sharing them with somebody else? Well, the, the reason I wrote it is because initially, when I did it, I was a terrified, but b embarrassed. And I didn't want anyone to know that I was traveling by myself. I would tell anyone that would ask who you with, I'd always say, Oh, I'm meeting somebody here. I thought I was like, a loser for doing it. I think growing up, we always think you got to do things by yourself, even going to movies is is made fun of or there's a stigma to that if you're doing that growing up this was this was now it's more acceptable but growing up that was that you always had to do something with other people so as i started doing it and i started becoming a little more where i would tell people and say hey i'm by myself people would always be like i, I was i was so scared they're gonna make fun of me or whatever and these are just random strangers but i started getting positive reactions like oh my gosh that's so cool i could never do that and it was like oh wait a minute there, there might be something here and I know that I had a lot of growth from that. And then once I started realizing that, that a lot of people were afraid of doing it, I took it as, as something that I was proud of. And then I always desired to write a book. So I said, let's, let's put this down and see kind of what happens from it. So that was the, where it started. But basically, it started out of, out of fear and embarrassment in some ways. Wow. What lessons did you learn along the way by doing those solo travels? Yeah, uh, so many. Uh, the number one thing is that I could do hard things. I can do challenging things. I was lost in Venice, Italy, and one of the greatest cities on the planet, but is also a labyrinth, especially at night. You've never been lost in your life until you've been lost in Venice at night. Winding roads. It's not a big town, but it took me an hour and a half to travel what, what would have been if I would have known where I was going to have been about a 20 minute walk. Just, I was so frustrated to the point that I actually literally yelled out loud, I need help. And no one came to my rescue. I was, even after I yelled, I thought people would come and help me. And I finally meandered into just a restaurant and kind of pointed on a map where I thought I was. And the guy started laughing. He goes, no, you're here. And then I was just like, okay, okay, wait a minute. And I, I, I got back to the hotel eventually. And I it was one of those light bulb moments where it's like, Hmm, you, you figured it out. You were able to get back on your own. Yeah. You had a mental breakdown in the middle of it, but you ever figured out. 
and it was empowering. And it was like, wait, you can do hard things. And then when the, when the wheels landed back in the United States, I was already planning the next trip. And it was like, it was so empowering for everything else that I did. It's like, you can do hard things. You can go to a foreign country, not speak the language, get totally lost and be okay. You'll be okay. And, and that's the number one thing is just that you can, you can survive on your own. And there's other things that I, I prefer about solo travel, but I think that was the number one thing is just the empowering moment of it. It's just like, Hey, I, I can do this. That's it's so important. I love Michael Easter's book, the comfort crisis where we, we just have made so many advances in technology. It's really incredible, but we can also live with so little discomfort all the time. I don't need to leave my house even to get food delivered. I don't need to spend a single second in a, a temperature that's not 72 degrees. I don't need to experience rain or sunlight at all. And we lose mm-hmm. that sense of, of what makes us human, which is going through those hard things and how empowering it is to realize that, yeah, I'm, I'm strong. I'm independent. I can overcome challenges. I think that's spills over into so many other areas of life it does and a phrase i always like to just it's a simple thing that i remind myself is just, just being comfortable in uncomfortable situations and i feel that's where the most growth is and it's you know it's still i i know i fall back to comfort but i also remind myself that it's the greatest steps or the greatest growth i've made and in talking with all the guests on the show as well is just through through the just the uncomfortable situations and there's a quote by Her- helen keller Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. And it's it's things like that that remind me. And and I know that solo travel has been able to to kickstart that. And I think there's been other steps of it, but it was initially the solo travel that, that kickstarted it. Wow, I totally got chills from that quote. I absolutely love that. <laughs> um, have you read um, or listened to "Listening to Is Better"? Uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I don't know it. I, I, I know McConaughey, but I have not delved into that yet. Put it on the list. It's it's one of my favorite books, and it's great to listen to because he reads it, and he's just got you know his McConaughey style. But one of the things that he talked about is when you travel, you should really seek – and I'm going to butcher this – but you should really seek to assimilate yourself to that place and don't really like – officially leave that place until you understand some of the language, you understand some of the culture, you can get around, you've been with the people, you've had real conversations. And I know that's a big part of your travel as well. You you don't recommend going like a, you know, stupid American tourist. You, and you, uh, yeah, I know that's a big thing that you do is trying to learn a basic amount of language and learning what the food is like. Can you explain what difference that makes for travel? I mean, I look at also on the, on the flip side of it, right? Like I, I, when I was in Barcelona, and I was trying to practice some Spanish and the guy, my driver was like, no, I want to practice English. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, I didn't travel all this way to hear English. And you, you go to different places and you see fast food, you know, KFC, incredibly popular in Moscow. And it's like, no, I don't want to come here and, and have the same thing that I had back home. Like you mentioned, as far as things being comfortable, I don't want to go other places and have it just be the same. I want to be challenged. I want to hear languages different. I want to learn something new. I want to try something new food wise. I want to be involved in the culture. So for me, yes, I do a couple different things. I'll practice the language, do my best. Necesito más practicar en español, pero yo practico todos los días. Duolingo, by the way. Got to use Duolingo. It's so good. I uh, love Duolingo. <laughs> uh, and, and, but I also take another step. I will go and I'll listen to music from that region. I'll watch shows, I'll watch movies. Uh, read books and and I pick one country a month and then I'll go through that and I'll just try to knock out as much as I can just to get a better understanding. And then, and like you mentioned, as far as the American tourists, I am a traveler. I am not a tourist and I, you'll never catch me doing anything that is too cliche. And for a lot of people, that's great. A lot of people love that. But for me, like 
I, I like walking. I like getting lost. I get lost on every trip. Uh, it's not intentional. It's just that I, I take pride in doing things on my own. And I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you can, you can see when an, uh, you can tour, American tourists stand out and I do my best like to, uh, this is actually fun. One, one thing I always hope I cross my fingers on every trip is that I get asked for directions because no one's going to ask a tourist for directions. So my goal is that I assimilate and I acclimate to the, the area that someone actually comes up to me and says, Hey, where do I get to blah, 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 because I look like a local. So that's always like a, a cheesy little goal of mine. I love that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I spent two years in Brazil um, mm-hmm. understanding that culture as well. And and back when I was down there, we had maps and you had to go through these crazy streets that make no logical sense whatsoever yeah. and trying to find your way. And it's like, I remember being really good at knowing that if I had been someplace before, I can get back there and find my way out again. And I question whether I still have that ability because it's so much easier to pop up the GPS on your phone and have the thing navigate you. And it's like, we don't really need this. You know, know how to go where you need to go and yeah maybe there's going to be a little bit of traffic use that as like a way to be mindful and take some good nasal breaths or something and, and put yourself in that place but we really have become disconnected from getting lost and finding a way out yeah and when i started i had to use maps because wi-fi would always be uh the, the biggest resource you could have and it goes down quick so i relied on maps but i found also even when i late back to time in venice it was hard to even differentiate what was a road in some of these towns that you're at like it shows on the map and then you're walking by it looks like an alley you're like well is that was that the alley or is that the road so you do have to to fully experience it i will say though uh, technology the one there's one thing that i have enjoyed in, in, in regards to maps and that is that that like apple maps will tell you what connections to make in in, a, in the subway in the metro mm. and to that is one thing that I will never shun because that has been incredibly helpful. But, but I agree. Yeah. I, I try to, I try to just figure things out on my own. I make a lot of mistakes, but there's just that sense that knowing that you did it again, yeah. it's it kind of where I go back to that empowering moment. I like knowing that I could, I can, I, I did it on my own. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that. So, so, you know, whenever we encounter people, we might not be familiar with them. We might ask them a question or two, like, how are you doing? How's your day? Whatever. We get to kind of the meat of the conversation, which is usually something that I want, not something somebody else wants. And, and, exactly. you know, based on your personality, the way you were brought up with all this travel, you have learned the, I would say esoteric skill called listening and asking questions and being curious about people. The name of your book, tell me how, how that, you know, kind of got better and better as you were traveling and how that eventually translated into you starting a podcast. Hmm. I, I, what's, what's interesting that a lot of people don't know about me is I am incredibly introverted. I, um, on the Myers-Briggs scale, I am so heavily introverted. So for me, it takes to talking a lot, often is a lot of energy out of me, zaps my energy. So I, I prefer to listen, especially when I'm traveling. And I prefer to just ask questions because then I don't have to talk. So that, that, that's, that's kind of the cynical answer. But I also found that by listening, I can find what people like. And I, it was, it was when, when trying to connect with someone internationally, you've got, there's one way to do it. There's surefire way you talk about what they like and anybody on the planet if you talk about what they like you're going to develop a connection and they're going to talk and they're going to talk about it and that related into as i was researching the book as far as how do i get to talk to people and i know i was talking with my mom about it and she was asking about how do you we, we talked about if a guest was giving you the right answers or not and she had asked me you know well was, were, were they, are they not great guests i go well if they're not giving me what i want i need to change the questions i need to i need to ask better questions and get what they, and basically find out what they're interested in. Everybody on the planet is an expert at something. I, I talk about that as a, as a catch line on the show and that everybody's a scholar and that everybody is 
can teach me something. So it's just about finding what that is. And I think if you can tap into that right away, uh, it'll help the introvert in you not have to talk as much, but it also help just as a show as far as developing that because um, I like listening and I, I just would rather much rather listen and, and ask questions. And it's interesting because I think in, even in my personal life, I now I, I asked almost like podcast style questions when I'm talking to people, but I, I enjoy it. And it's, it's, I actually, I think maybe the underlying thing I also learned is that everybody wants to talk about themselves. So if you generally listen, I could, it strengthens relationships, it strengthens bonds, whether it be on a podcast, whether it be in person. And, um, I genuinely care. And, and I think that was a skill that I did not have when I was, when I was younger, I, I frankly wouldn't care what someone had to say, but now after, um, using it as a show has taught me that it's just the best way to connect to people. And, and, and I enjoy it as well. Wow. I absolutely love that. What a very thoughtful answer. So, so that also shines through very much in your podcast. I can't remember how I came across it. It could have been, um, a podcast page, podcasting page on Facebook, maybe where it was like a review exchange or something. And I remember reviewing a lot of podcasts at the time and, you know, you listen to an episode and, you know, I, I didn't keep any of those and yours I've kept on my phone and been a subscriber ever since for a year and a half. And I know that I can listen to any one of your shows at any given time and I will learn something about something that I don't know. And I really love and appreciate the episodes where I don't know anything about it. I don't really care that much about it, but through the conversation, I care. I'm invested. I'm interested. And, and, and I know that about your show and I love it. If I have a free hour or two, I know I can just dial up and any, whatever the latest like five episodes you have are going to be phenomenal as far as teaching me something th- about something that I don't know. So when, when did you decide that you wanted to do a podcast in, in particular and why was that the medium you wanted to go for? Well, incredibly kind words. Thank you for that. Uh, as far as why, it was after I wrote the first book, I realized there were some limitations on that because I was so thrilled write the first book. But then I've got family members who didn't read it because they don't read and or they don't like to read. So reading is not important to them. And there's people in my life who they're never going to read it, even if they love me more than, you know, most people. They're still not going to read it if they're not readers. So I needed something else to reach people and also something else to talk about when I was doing interviews for the book. I, I felt a little bit naked, like I needed more to talk about. So I was like, I need to have something else. So I started the show to supplement the writing. But then I realized that it was so great because it allowed me to meet people when I wasn't traveling. And especially kind of the heart of that was during the pandemic when I didn't have the freedom to travel as much. So it, it started as a, I, this would be helpful. And then it turned into uh, something that I enjoyed and was in, in, in some ways a necessity. And, and you mentioned about you can learn something. That's the goal. And the other goal with that is that it's, I feel like we're a bookstore. You might not be particularly interested in this episode. But I guarantee you, if you stick around, it's like going to a bookstore. You might not like that book. But there'll be a book in here that you'll find. There'll be a book in here that you like. And the goal is for there to be no um, consistency as far as what the topics uh, I try to think is just the most wild, uh, lo- either be locations, careers, professions, everything. I mean, like a swordsmith, right? When was the last time you, you talk about a swordsmith, a fire breather? And then I got a chin balancer coming up athletes, everything. So I, I just sit there and kind of fantasize and, and I go through, I have a you know, spreadsheet of all the different countries and trying to max those out. So it's just trying to find as many different things as possible. And, and, uh, that's kind of the niche that we're trying to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Are you doing this all yourself or do you have other people that are helping you with this? Hmm. I don't know how to answer that because I, I like to create this image. Like I have this amazing team and I say, we all the time, 
but you're you're looking at you're looking at everything the producer the host all the writer all of it but I, I do try to make this image like i've got a team and Maybe one day, but right now it's just me. Well, the team looks great, all of them. They look fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so interesting. So so when you started the podcast, did you have any idea how many episodes you ended up wanting to do or how frequently you wanted to do them? Because in a very short amount of time, you have done an incredible and very prolific amount of work um, putting out all these episodes. I've never had a, a set number. I just wanted consistency. And initially, it was just once a week. Let me just do once a week. And then evolved to the peak pandemic time where I had a little more free time was doing it every day. Um, I don't have a number going forward where I want to get to, but I just want to make sure it's consistency consistently there. Uh, I, before this, when I had a music podcast and I did it every Tuesday, every Tuesday, every Tuesday. And, it, and I started that in 2010 and I haven't missed a Tuesday. And I think for me, it's, it, I don't even know, I don't even know the total number on that. It, and it was never a number goal. It's more of just like, let me just be consistent. Let me always have there. that. That way, uh, I think we might have talked about this before. Uh, I'm terrified that one day someone who does listen, they're going to go on there and they're going to say, hey, didn't put an episode today. And because that, they're going to go find something else. So I'm totally insecure that if I don't have the consistent habits and consistent show that I'm going to lose a guest or lo I'm not, not lose a guest, lose a listener. So there's not a set number. It's more of just a consistent, regular thing. And I, I kind of like the, the the boiling one degree every day type of thing that eventually it will one degree at a time you don't notice the heat change but eventually at 212 you notice that so it's that's kind of the mentality is just this con consistency consistency yeah that's a message we try to share on this podcast quite a bit is like whatever level you want to do there's no right or wrong there, that's the cool part about podcasting there's no rules you want to release yeah. 10 all is episode one on the same day and don't do anything for a year you can do that you can release on yeah. consistent dates you can think about those formats but i agree i think the most important thing is having that consistency and the shows that i really love that sometimes will release on a tuesday but then release on a thursday it gets a little bit frustrating for me and so I think that consistency is really important. What, um, let's see, how do I phrase this question? What keeps you looking for other people and other experiences? What keeps me doing that? Um, well, I, I think kind of part of that is goes to the previous question as far as wanting to be consistent. I don't want to be someone who, I mean, since you've been doing this, how many people have came up to you and been like, you know what? That sounds, I would love to do a podcast. That sounds great. I want to do that too. And then, you know, a month later they're on to something else. Yeah. So I, I kind of the antithesis of that, I want to be someone who actually dug in and stayed with it and stayed the course uh, because of, of the boiling water. And also there's, there's a term called Kaizen, which is like a, a Japanese term for continuous improvement. That's, that's part of it. And then two, I think just the realization that, and we talked about this on a previous question is just that I can learn from everybody else. And not only am I learning from everybody, but they're all inspiring me. They're all inspiring me anymore. They changed my outlook a year ago. I got scuba certified. Why? I'm not really good in water, but it was talking to scuba divers on the show. And it was like, these are the coolest people on the planet. I got to go do this. So I, everyone I, I learn, I'm, I'm making my, my, my resources, my friend list, like even wider and the people I know around the world, it's, I'm just so incredibly lucky to have the circle of, of friends, circle of influence of people. And that might be another factor of why I continue to do it. And then I think maybe the underlying thing is just that I, I am having fun. It's fun. I, I like, yeah. I like to, I honestly like to learn. I honestly uh, know that I, I know so little and that uh, I will have a never ending zest to, to continue learning as much as I can.
Yeah, I did, what a great answer to a really poorly worded question by me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, you definitely have a lot of couches that you can surf all over the world whenever you want at this point. Thanks. We think about that all the time. Like I, all the people we've interviewed around the world, like, and, and with this conversation, if you do a good job, you really connect with people. And, and they're people I would call friends, even in an hour long conversation, you can really go deep with people. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. I was I, I went to see Hamilton in London, man. Um, Amazing. I had a I had a guest who plays George Washington, Ugh. and uh, Trevor Nichols and um, Nicholas Trevor and went to see him perform. And it's great. It's a it's a fantastic show. But then seeing someone you know even even better, he messaged me during the intermission, and you know I, I was just blown away. And I had to like tell the the, the family next to me, oh my god, George, you know George Washington just messaged me, you know and. And, and, you know, I went to an Arizona Rattlers match last week to, and my, my guy Braxton Haley was on the show. So, yeah, it is, like you said, couch surfing. It is just uh, music references, um, uh, cat videos from Kathy O'Dowd, who lives in Andorra, right? I mean, prior to this, I didn't know where Andorra was. And, and just a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's – why would I stop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, would, why would I stop when I have that one every day? I, you know, earlier this week chatting with a Norwegian who climbed Mount Everest. So – they're not. If if I didn't have the show, they wouldn't talk to me. So I have to yeah. keep the show. <laughs> keep the show. Keep the show. That's amazing. <laughs> I am mildly obsessed with Hamilton. So that's a really cool experience that yeah. you were able to kind of connect did, on that level with somebody. That's amazing. That, now, did you see? Have you? Um, uh, Phantom Phantom is, is 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 just there as well. Fan. I've had a few guests from Phantom in the Opera, so uh, I've got it slightly higher than Hamilton, but I love them. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. So so we will tell our guests frequently that this is a show. Our main show, Boundless Body Radio, is a show about health and fitness and whatever category we choose. We chose a very general topic, so I could interview a lot of people, but I'll also yeah. tell them like. We're, we're health and fitness, but everything is health and fitness. We can tie health and fitness into everything. This is a storytelling yeah. podcast. And I want you to tell your story and we can, we can do it in this way that, you know, promotes some good, healthy behaviors. But, but I want to hear your stories. What are some tips and tricks besides listening, which I think is probably the top one. I'm, I, I'm hoping you would agree with that, but how are some, what are some of the ways that you can create a really interesting story with somebody that you may or may not have been starting that conversation, knowing a tremendous amount of about as far as developing like a relationship with the with the person i'm chatting with yep hmm well first of all before i say that i will say that like initially i started off like with a travel goal and it, and it expanded into culture and kind of like you said culture is everything so it, it allows me to talk about everything else as far as having the dynamic conversations um i i try to 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 ask questions that are focused on a lot of mental health stuff. So if I'm talking to an athlete, it's what's the mental health, what's the mental preparation you do this. If I'm talking to someone who, uh, like my guy in Hamilton who moved from the United States to London. And so that takes a lot of confidence just to do that. How did you develop the confidence to take that step? So a lot, a lot of conversations as far as that, as far as, as far as confidence, um, the, the new book I'm working on is on uncertainty. So uncertainty when we're growing up, we always, it's, it's not knowing the answers seem as a negative, but so many of the guests that I've talked to, it's uncertain times where they flourish, where they get the idea. So I always I try to find questions and circumstances where they didn't know the answer. So for, for, if I was chatting with you, I would say, you know, what do you do when you don't know the answer? What do you do when you don't know which next step to take? Which I found that it's the same for a lot of people. When Kathy O'Dowd, Kathy O'Dowd did climb Everest, she didn't know each step that she was going to take, but she still went anyway. When uh, Gordon Griffin was writing his book, 
who he, by the way, he was the former voice of the London Underground, the one who would say Mind the Gap, one of my all time favorite guests. Wow. But he didn't know every step he was going to take, every word he was going to write, but he still wrote, uh, started writing the book. And that takes a lot of confidence as well. And it, and it teaches that has taught me personally as well as just as far as the importance of just taking the step when you don't know. And, and going back to Kathy O'Dowd, she had mentioned that a lot of times you, you don't want an easy excursion up a mountain because you want to be tested and, and you want your con- contingency plans to be tested. So I'm always looking at, at that as far as how they develop confidence, how the mental aspects of their sport, profession, career, and just little things along the way. I, I don't ask as many questions about like certain events. It's more of just kind of the, the underlying um, thoughts and feelings of things. Are you surprised at this point how much mental health you actually talk about? I am surprised how talking about it is normal now. Uh, as far as it being important to me, I would say I'm not surprised at that because coming from a, a master's of counseling and psychology, I've always been interested in that kind of. I, I hate to say this, but before you know, before it was cool type of thing. I've, I've always had that as a desire to talk about. But it is it is interesting because I think now because it's a lot more accepted that people actually have an answer now. Whereas maybe if I were done this 10 years ago, these same questions, they might not have an answer for because it's something I hadn't really looked into. before. That's interesting. I just, for, for, for again, for us on our main show, I, it comes up all the time and I never thought it would be as prevalent, even just issues like anxiety, depression, that most people feel the imposter syndrome, I think is so much more pervasive than I ever would have guessed kind of getting into this. Um, so, so I made a presumptuous comment about the people that you invite on. Are you researching your people very much before you bring them on? Or are you really doing your interviews off the cuff? I, I do a little bit of research. I, I, it's some, sometimes it can be difficult with finding, finding information on, on people, especially if they're from a different country. But I just kind of live with the idea of anytime I see anything interesting, <laughs> send them a message, send them a message. And you know, the worst, the worst they can say is no, the worst they say, they don't even, they never even see the message, but I'm always, just, um, for instance, there was a guy, uh, Nigel Talton, who was the freeze. I don't know if you remember the, the Atlanta Braves had a guy that would race fans uh, in the outfield and he was called the freeze. And I remember when it came out a couple years ago, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So now when I see things like that, I just instantly message them and then, but I'll do the research on that. I enjoy doing the research because they appreciate it when you do is it's, it's, if, you know, hey, I'm glad that you went to school at Arizona State University. What was your life like in Tempe? They always appreciate the fact that you did the background information and, and uh, and I think it strengthens the the relationship as well. Couldn't agree more. If you can just go that little bit further that no other podcast host is willing to go and dig just a mm-hmm. little bit deeper, that's I I find where you find the most gems. Finding your DJ page, yeah. for example, is like, oh, cool. <laughs> like this is a really interesting nuance thing that I didn't know. Part of you being this, you know, sage of some some kind. <laughs> um, okay. And it throws them off too. I, I like to do those as well. I like to go on the on their Instagram story or whatnot, and then uh, be like, hey, before we start. What was what was up with that uh, you know that food that you had or, or that beer that you drank in, in Cozumel yesterday you know and then I was like oh you know a, I think if you can get them on a different foot to start they let their guard down a bit that's always fun as well yeah agreed that the kind of icebreaker is almost the way I think yeah. of it is like this yeah. is fun and light and we're gonna have a good conversation but let's just throw something yeah. out there that's just kind of fun to talk about when, yeah. oh, you, you mentioned messaging people which I love is there any one particular way that you reach out to anybody or do you just use whatever medium possible to communicate with people. I've gone in, in phases. Uh, I started off, I was 
exclusively in Twitter. And then uh, I went to Instagram. Now it's a little bit of both. Sometimes I'll go directly to websites and uh, just message email. I don't, there's not one method that works the best. Uh, I've even texted a few different people as well. Uh, when it comes to actually texting is probably the least. And it's really weird. I, for whatever reason, the people that I know in my life, I don't ask to be on the show. It's the people I don't know. I've kind of gone reverse on that. I didn't want it to be like a, a sick event show with all people that I knew. So it was all mostly strangers. But I, I've gone back and forth between Twitter, Instagram mostly. And I've got such a, a backlog of people as well. I can, I'll, even if I don't necessarily, if I see someone I want to talk to, but I, I, at that second, I don't want to message them for whatever reason. I add them to like a, a two chat with later on type of thing. So I've got lines and lists of that as well. And so both those are the, probably the two main ones. Cool. What yeah. about you? What, uh, uh, what about you? Yeah, it's the same. It, it's renegade. It's like however you can contact people. I'm always a little bummed out when I find somebody on Twitter, I follow them, and then there's not the bus button to message them. I've gone back and forth between like sending a public tweet with them tagged. Um, I almost mm. never do that. I did that this morning, um, and I, I, I tried to do it in a way that I shouted this person out for being a guest on somebody else's podcast. Like, hey, such and such, uh, okay. you did an amazing job in this interview. Let me know if you would like to be on our show anytime. We'd love to host you. And, and I've had, mm. you know... I've done that maybe two or three times and, and varying levels of success. You're right. Like some people, they, they don't answer. They say, no, I'm too busy, whatever. And that's fine. Um, but, but I find that you, you do have to put those feelers out there quite a bit. What would you say would be the ratio of like people you asked to be on the show versus actually are hosted on your show? Well, I used to, I used to track that when I started, I had every different stat possible. I had people reached out to first response, second response, confirmed, et cetera. Uh, actual conversation edited. I had it all. I went away from that because I think I thought it was driving myself crazy. I, wow. It was probably not healthy. Not, not talking about mental health, it was not mentally healthy to do all that. Because then I would, you know, the next month I would try to have a higher engagement rate and all that. Um, but as a general rule, I try to message maybe 10 people a week. And I have that, if I hit that, that I'm, I'm it, it, most of them it's more. But I just want to have that as a, as a floor that maybe even if I was out traveling for the week, if I still got my 10 in, then I, I'm kind of, I don't want to say proud, but I'm, I'm content. Wow. Um, and on average, I'm doing three to four interviews a week. Um, I used to do more, but I don't, I, right now, that's all I want at the moment right now. And then I release between two and three a week, which already you can see that there's a back number. If I'm doing three to four interviews a week and I'm only releasing two to three a week, I'm getting backed up. So some of them I'll interview and they, they, if there's something, a time focus, I'll get them up right away and others, it won't be maybe for a couple months, but, uh, editing, editing, I never realized editing would take as much as it, as it does, but yeah. It's, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You sound like, um, at least the way you started, you sound like the money ball of podcasting or something like with all these stats, like, yeah, that would have been really, I had, I had it down tape. to like country countries <laughs> listed, all that stuff. I, I realized I was probably, I had to just step back on it. I didn't want to know. And, and I think also emotionally, there were times where it's like, maybe I wasn't getting enough people uh, responding. And then I get down. I'm like, why? You know, why is this number down? Why is whatever? But it very well could be that person never saw your message. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I've, I've learned too that they, they might never see it or they get other people asking them. I mean, how many times have you sent a message to someone and then they caught you at the wrong time so you didn't respond right That's away? Right. So there's just so many other things that the factor. I did take it personal for a while. Yeah. I think I've evolved. I probably will never 100% not take personal. There's always going to be part of me who's like bothered, but uh, I've tried to 
I try anyway. I love the that. only the only response that I I I don't like and is I when they immediately ask, "Cool, how much?" and you're like, "That's that's not how it works, man." But yep. uh, thank you. I've but, had a few of those. Yeah, like no, no thanks. We'll we'll find somebody else. Yeah. yeah um, but- yeah, this is probably just me being very self-conscious. I don't know if this is a thing or not, but have you ever found that a guest was, I don't know if upset is the right word, but maybe disappointed that their re- episode didn't release sooner than it did? Is there like a number of either backlogged episodes or amount of time that it's like, ah, it's past this long. I've got six weeks in the bag of three times a week of releases. Like maybe I ought to slow down a little bit. I've never had anyone be disappointed. I've had them reach out to me before theirs was ready. And they're the, hey, where is it? And I'm like, okay, you know, let me. And then, then there's gets to the, put to the top. But I will say though that the longer you wait, the less impact it does have because they're going to be excited the more recent you release. Yeah. And if it's later on, they might be like, who was this guy? I don't even remember talking to him. So it's it's not that they've ever gotten irritated at it, but I I have seen less engagement if it's a longer time. Yeah, that's like I, maybe they don't maybe they don't retweet it or or share it as well if it's been a long time. They're more likely I think to share it the quicker you get it up. Yeah, I I agree with you 100% and it this is this is where I had to learn that the the person you think is going to be the most popular and is going to be the biggest hit that you do prioritize that person's done eight interviews today. Like they do this all mm-hmm. the time. They're not going to be the ones that are really actively sharing. And so mm-hmm. keeping That's- that in mind that it's not just the big popular people, it That's might be so somebody fine. that nobody has heard of. You prioritize them, they get so excited, they share everywhere. That has the most downloads i mean we don't do our shows for downloads but it's nice to have more than it is to have less so you got to consider that 100 percent accurate you know and i've even told my mom about that it's like i have this kind of area that i'm looking at they have too many followers it's like that person's not even gonna care and they're not gonna post it and then whereas someone else who was like this is my first interview i've ever done or my first interview in english this is so cool and they tell everybody and those are the ones that get it's 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 funny how that works about how Sometimes it's, it, it's, I don't know, you, you basically just said it all. That that's exactly how it is. Sometimes it's the people you least expect are the ones that are most thrilled. So they're the ones that you got to do. And it's, it's, it's such a balance. Yeah, Sometimes you never know which one's hit. And, it, and again, it could right. be a timing thing as well. That's right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You did mention editing. What are some things you've learned along the way about editing? Do you edit as much as you used to? Do you feel like you have that down to a science at this point? Like what things have you learned? I'm pretty picky when it comes to editing. I've been on shows and I've listened to shows where they let everything fly. And I think there's value to both. I think there's value editing and making everything clean, but I was also valued to, you know, just having to be laid back and hear it. But I know I've been on shows on, on some ones that don't edit as much. You know, I've heard people cough into the microphone or I'll hear bracelets jangling and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't want to go down that route. It might be great for them, but I'm, I'm pretty hypersensitive when it comes to editing. Um, it's a, it, it's almost double. So if you do a 30 minute conversation, you're looking at 60 minutes editing based on kind of what, I, what I've done. But I, it's, I, I think my music background is, is why I have that standard. And I, again, I, I, I'm insecure with it. I don't want someone turning on and being like, man, this is crap. I couldn't hear yeah. a thing. And it's weird how, because of the last couple of years with Zoom and everything that now, if you turn on ESPN and you see somebody being interviewed on their iPhone, you're like, Hey, that's, that's cool. Whereas like three years ago, You'd be like, that's garbage quality. Yep. So it's almost the last few years, our quality has dipped because, I mean, you've probably done interviews with people who are in their car. Yep. And I'm not going to tell someone, hey, you you know, no, we can't do it in their car. But obviously when they're in their car, the quality is less. Yep. But, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's, what do you do? You do what you uh, can. 
Yeah, right. And it's funny too, like when you're trying to clear every single Zoom ping out of your interviews, you can't unhear everybody else's Zoom pings on even very highly produced shows. And you just realize like there's some level of editing that I have to do. I really don't want distractions. I don't want somebody to all of a sudden like, wow, the levels changed drastically or a dog just went apeshit in the background or something that takes away from the conversation. I try to get to those as much as I can. But at the same time, it's like I need to get better at not saying um so I don't have to edit those and every Zoom, but you're yeah. just not going to clean them, them all up. Yeah, anytime anyone says, hey, you do such a great job speaking, I go, yeah, because I edit every single um, every single filler word. I did teach public speaking for a few years and it's, so I, I'm aware of it. But the other thing we didn't mention too is that when it talks to sound quality, as far as a lot of times, I don't, you, you think that the quality is great, but you don't 100% know until you hear it. And when I'm talking to people in, a second and third world country and the internet's a little weak. I mean, you never know what you're going to get on that. And sometimes I, I've talked to people in London, right? A city where you figure the Wi-Fi would be great and their connection's bad. So that's a whole nother thing. Their quality of their microphone as well. And, yep. and when, when Zoom first started, they would pick up, uh, like the technology would pick up both audio and what they would hear. So there'd be this echo. Yep. Zoom has fixed it now, but that was on there too. And um Technology has been a lever. I will say though, the only major technology issue I had, aside from aside from quality of the Wi-Fi and quality of the sound, was one time when I was using uh, Skype. It didn't record, and I was just mortified that it didn't record. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, that's my nightmare scenario. I'm lucky that I have my podcast mixer in front of me and it has a big red record, but that's, that's a nightmare scenario, like losing a recording, losing a conversation that I did. Um, I, the, the conversation I had just before this, the lady that I interviewed was wonderful, but she's not been on a lot of podcasts. And so she had AirPods on and she would adjust them every time. And so like every few minutes you hear her adjusting and that sound is distracting. It comes through and her content was great. So I'm not going to go nitpick that, but that's, that's an example of, you know, things Things that you want to be aware of whether you're the host or the guest is what what's going to take away from this conversation yeah yeah and different types of headphones and i prefer headphones now to, to a lot of times because most people don't have a microphone you've got it set up and i do as well but just the casual person does not but again if, if i'm getting somebody i got martin i uh, i'm gonna butcher his last name but i yes uh, member of the united states rugby team we've been trying to track him down and finally i got him in his car i'm not going to tell him you know, I got him for 20 minutes. Yep. Hey, man, you don't have this sound quality sucks. Like, I'll, I'll make it work on my end, make it at least good. And I think kind of where I, what I mentioned earlier about people's standards are a little lower when it comes to what's acceptable to listen to. So I think people will be more forgiving. The listener will be more forgiving. And when I do listen to other shows, I do feel that any given runway has a, has a higher level of sound than a lot of the shows I it's listen really to. I, as far as um, I, I, I put sound quality as a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you do that, and your sound quality is really great. You've mentioned so many different experiences. I'm wondering if there's a story that was maybe um, not like your favorite, but maybe the most like unexpected. Could be good, bad, whatever. Uh, don't need to attach any judgment to it, but just something that comes to mind having a conversation that that just took an, a very interesting turn or different turn. Gosh, there was one um, author I was speaking to, and he was an author of computer books kind of typically you know not necessarily exciting things and midway through he tells me he was um, an undercover agent a police agent and you know he was telling a story about about as an undercover officer how another officer gave him a gun on a plane and how the steps and i'm just like wait a minute what <laughs> i was here to talk to an author i didn't realize you were giving someone was giving you a gun on a plane like it was blew my mind but um 
when I just think about the other one, there, there's so many that I learn more about them. And you, I can almost say it's every episode. Uh, because I think I might sound redundant when I'm, when I'm um, introducing the guests. So many times I say, this person's one of a kind. It's because I, most of the guests that I find have more than one interest. That's right. and I, probably yeah. because I'm probably because I, maybe it's one of the things I identify that and that's what I like the most. And I also just, so, so many of the episodes that does happen as far as where I am surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised. Maybe go into it. You probably know this is you go into it with a certain expectation of how this guest's going to be. And then you're just over the moon thrilled by how, how great they were. But, yeah. but it always comes back when I talk about the best episode was, was Lisanne Richard. She is a member of the Red Bull cliff diving series, already a cool interview. And then she was like, yeah, when for 20 years I was in Cirque du Soleil. And I'm like, Wow. Even better. And now she's now she's doing stuff where she's she's not just a cliff diver. She dove from a from a helicopter. And then she does all, the, all these all these amazing things. And and Gordon Griffin, who, who mentioned earlier, was the voice of London Underground. There's so many people that are these amazing people that just blow me away. Wow. That's amazing. Constantly it's- in awe. I'm you asked her again, go back on the question earlier, what keeps me going? Because I'm constantly in awe with these people. There's such a motivation for me in my own life. So wow. Uh, I love that. And and directly related to that, creating a book based on the content called Curiosity and learning from everybody around you. It's I, I can't I haven't read it. I can't wait to get it. I'm definitely going to pay for it and read it. It, it sounds wonderful. Um, and I guess my last question would be related to what was it like to take content that was already made? It's already done. It's already created. And you repurpose that into a totally different medium that that you can help other people experience in a different way. What was that like? Well, first of all, I always tell people when they talk about reading it, like you said, I don't care if you read it, just buy it. So yeah, hey, you know, even if you don't read it, but, um, I, and I'll talk about the process now as I'm doing it for part two, it's this one now is uncertainty. So curiosity was, was book two. This is book three. This is un- uncertainty, which will be out in September, same process, focusing on the uncertain moments from, from every episode, which by the way, every episode has, has elements of uncertainty. Um, I took it for granted as far as moving one con to an, to another because i think of that uh what's the phrase you used earlier but um gosh I, it's right there i can't but i was insecure by um gosh you mentioned earlier the phrase but uh i didn't think i had done enough worthy of a book and i um i, I felt like i needed to do more but then when i started reading other books and people were like oh we did 50 interviews for this i'm like you're going on 50 like i've got <laughs> 10 times that that i can go in so at first i was insecure that i hadn't had enough and it wouldn't translate to a book and then after a while it's like no this is this is good and even if i take my writing out of it these are great stories to share from the people on there. the stories blow me away and it's such a wide variety of guests and so for this then for this one as well uncertainty same same process taking the interviews and just kind of weaving together first first introduction chapter talks about the science of uncertainty and the science of doubt and how it affects innovation and then the rest of it's just kind of storytelling and i think that's if I had to summarize everything that I do, I'm, I'm a storyteller and, and one who shares stories, all these amazing people. And, uh, I do it every day. So I think that um, I'm, I'm a great resource for that. Well, that is absolutely amazing. What a great way to end this conversation. When we started this podcast, I wanted to do solo shows, which were instructional. If people wanted to start a podcast, this would be the thing that I didn't have when I got started. Here's the equipment. Here's the brass tacks. Here's how to get hosted. With the interviews that we do, we always incorporate people that have been hosted on our other show to get that good cross promotion. And you were just such a good human. And I love your show so much. You are the very first guest we've ever had that hasn't been on our primary show. We had to get you on to this one. And I, I, to me, it's just 
I know my people when I find them and you're my people. You have a really good soul. I can totally tell. I, I tell, I can tell the, the way you care, the way you ask questions. It's, it's different than other shows. It's different than other hosts and it really shines through and it creates something really special. And so just so grateful for you and your work. Can you tell our listeners where they can go to find you and find your podcast? Uh, no one's ever been that nice to me in my life. So you mean, <laughs> that was a sweeter thing anyone's ever said, which is it's the ethos of, of it as well. But any runway, Spotify and Apple, those are the two main ones. Uh, I find that those are the most convenient. I know there's other options, but just in people I, that I chat with, those are the two primary ones I focus there. And then the book, Uncertainty, Smart Syllables, available on Amazon now. And then this September, Uncertainty will be out the third book. Uh, any even runway on Instagram. And do some travel ones on TikTok as well. That's a little new thing, but mostly Instagram is kind of the main thing and then and Twitter as well. Nice. And, yeah. That's awesome. We will link to all of that. Randall Green, thank you so very much for all of your work. Thank you for your amazing podcast. And thank you for taking time out of your busy uh, travel schedule to, to spend some time with us today. We really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio, where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.